0: Good night, sir.
1: Hit it, sweetheart. You want some sexy? You want to laugh? License to talk. License <laughs> to talk is brought to you by Goodspeed Beverage Center, 2202 Seneca Street. They got your seltzer, heavy beers, light beers. Stop by, quench your thirst at Goodspeed Beverage Center. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, 2182 Seneca Street. They got burgers and bottles every Friday night. The Rocket is stocked and ready to rock. Bob's Barber Shop, 2098 Seneca Street. You got a call before you get a haircut? 716-207-9210. Talk to Dan about the Blue Jays, baseball, or even license to talk. Bob's Barber Shop. You got to see the action there on Seneca Street. First in Buffalo, firemen owned and operated, 391 Abbott Road, custom t-shirts, custom hats. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue, serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town, try the ham sub, the best in South Buffalo at Mr. Submarine. Vino vibes, check them out on the Gram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Vinyl stickers, decals, custom designs created by our boy Quails at Vinyl Vibes. Dog Ears Bookstore, 688 Abbott Road. Don't get your coffee from Timmy, and you can get it from Tommy. Check out the books in there, they, they got great stuff. Great people down at Dog Ears Bookstore. Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. Great fish fries, great specials on the menu awesome service and delicious drinks right there on the water charlie's boatyard all right marky episode 52 we're down by the water and our guest today is a vietnam veteran and a purple heart recipient ed good ed welcome to the license to talk how are thank you thank you thank you well ed was born in 1943 that's correct in the west side of buffalo
0: yes i was on the lakeview projects
1: let's let's talk about growing up in the west side of buffalo first
0: well i will Yeah, uh you know, I live in South Buffalo now, but it's my second marriage, and I moved to South Buffalo with my wife. So when I was a kid, my uncle lived in South Buffalo. My father piled us in the car and said, we're going to see Uncle John. Well, the West Side was my whole life. I, I, far, as far, I remember, far as I ever made it was downtown. Right. So we get in a car and drive out to Uncle John's in South Buffalo. It's like you're going to another world because <laughs> it was like so far away, you know, like, oh my God, where the hell are we going? Uh, so, and little did I know then that I wind up in South Buffalo, anyways. Yeah. But uh, the West Side was great. Grover was great. It was a predominantly Italian neighborhood. So, because a lot of my friends were from Italy, I had to learn to speak Italian. Oh, yeah. So, when I call our house, I'd, like my buddy Pete, I go, I call the house, I say, Buongiorno, Pietro Casa, si <laughs> Ah, sped, uh, Pietro Renica. You know, so we'd go out and, with the guys, and they'd be talking Italian, and pete say, hey. This guy knows what you're saying, so watch, watch out, you know? <laughs> he, he understands Italian. Even when I went it work, when we went, Mary and I went to Italy, everybody in the group relied on me to interpret for. Him. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: And so, ta- talk about the camaraderie in the west side of Buffalo and other neighborhoods in Buffalo that yeah. it was more of like a neighborhood
0: back yeah, then. Yeah, it was neighborhood. People left their, their doors open at night and, uh, I, Believe it or not, there was a lot of mafia around then, you know? Because uh, C- uh, Steve Magadino was the big boss of uh, the mafia, and he was in Niagara Falls, but he used to come down to the west side to the west, uh, Connecticut Bowling alleys where I stuck pins.
2: Oh, you're a pin sticker
0: too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, our second pin sticker <laughs> yeah. on the program. Yeah, yeah. I used to hop alleys. You know? How
1: much did you get paid for sticking Ten,
0: pins? It was 10 cents a game. Oh, that's a pretty good wage yeah. there. That's a good wage. Yeah. Talk well, to another that. That. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, like, uh, you know, I'd probably make $20 a week, which then for a kid that was 12 years old, making 20, 20 bucks a week. Was it terrifying? Was money. What Was
2: it terrifying?
0: Uh, yeah, at times it was. you get hit with a ball. Some you, you put the pins in a rack, you're getting back up between the alleys, and some guy throw a ball and hit you in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, a pin would come up and hit you. But, yeah, no, I, I, mean, I always worked, you know. Then when I was 16, I got a job at the Hotel Stuyvesant, which was a big hotsy-totsy joint on the west oh, side. Oh, yeah,
1: a lot of ballroom dancing. Ballroom
0: dancing, all that stuff. So I was a, a busboy. And there I worked from 6 at night to 3 in the morning, three days a week. I was a junior in high school. So I'd make 40 50 bucks a week. which was even better, you know. So I had more money than most of the guys had. But then when I was 17, I went down... Easter vacation, and I joined the Marine Corps. Now my whole family was Navy, oh. so I had I had to get my dad signed for me. So I come home and say, "Hey, Dad, I, I joined the service today. Could you sign for me?" He goes, "Oh, absolutely." He said, "Join the Navy." so "No, I didn't join the Navy." He goes, "Air Force?" No. And he went through the whole litany: Army, the Coast Guard. Then he said, "Don't tell me you joined the Marines." I said, "Yeah, I did. <laughs> I joined the Marines."
1: And before you join the Marines, you're you go to Grover High School,
0: Grover Cleveland High School.
1: And what it was the same?
0: Grover, Grover stinks all over. <laughs>
1: how many kids? How many kids did you graduate with roughly?
0: Uh, I'd probably say I'm guessing 200. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this this uh, next year will be our 60th reunion.
1: Wow. Yeah. They still do stuff for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well. Except well, we're, we're all old guys now. Some most a lot of guys are dead. And, yeah, sure, know.
2: sure. You worked at War Memorial Stadium.
0: Offerman, yeah. I, I, I uh, sold popcorn and peanuts. That was at East East Ferry in Michigan, which is gone now. They built a school in this place, but it was a great ballpark. I mean, it was like it was like Fenway Park in Boston. It was very intimate, you know.
1: So t- so it goes. That's they played at Offerman Stadium before they played in at War, War Memorial because
0: they tore down Offerman to build a school, so they moved to War Memorial. The War there.
1: Memorial was already there.
0: Yeah, at, well, War Memorial at one time was called Civic Stadium. Okay. They used to do stock car races there. It's a big place.
1: Yeah. Still, it still is. I mean, yeah. You can still see the, the still,
0: yeah, of it. I used to go to stock car races when I was a kid at War Memorial.
1: Talk about going to a ball game when you're a kid selling popcorns. Oh, hey, and you
0: know, it was it was fantastic because I was a I was the only sports fan in my family. My brothers didn't like sports. My sister, of course not. My father, nah. So I became a sports nut because of my buddies. So we always got off school a half a day for opening day. Really? Yeah, you got a half a day off. So we go, my buddy Charlie and I would go down, stand outside the stadium and be the first kids to get into bleachers. It was 50 cents to get in the bleachers. If you stood outside and caught if a ball came over the fence and you caught it and brought it back, it lets you free. Really? Yeah. So I remember the 57 bodies because I was watching. You know, I was selling the the cushions. I sell them out by the second inning. I go watch the rest of the ball game.
1: Yeah, you had nothing else to do, well, right? Yeah,
0: I had to wait to the end of the ball game. So I remember everything about it. At first base was Luke Easter. Second base, Lou Ortiz. At short, Mike Baxis, Bill Serena at third. Dave Melton in the left, Rod Graber in center, Joe Caffey in right, and Ray Noble behind the plate, and they went to the Little World Series that year. They played the Denver Bears, which was a Yankee farm system at the time, and they lost in seven games.
1: You always so, hear about Luke Easter. you actually seen him play
0: I seen him play i seen I was there the night he hit it over the over the scoreboard. He hit it over the scoreboard twice. I only seen him do it once and uh, People would sit out on Woodlawn Avenue on their porches and watch the ball game. Luke hit it over the scoreboard. He hit it off Bob Kuzava in the second inning of a 29th doubleheader. Yeah. What a memory. I <laughs> mean,
1: what what a memory. And I'm very jealous because back then you got really little or no TV. No. And that crack at the bat yeah. gets you out oh, of the You know, and yeah. I think it's something that uh the younger sports fan today yeah, doesn't get, i mean i got to experience a little bit
0: yeah but when the toronto uh blue uh toronto maple Leafs at the time in the international league when they came to town rocky nelson was a big home run hitter and of course luke was too so they didn't have home run hitting contests before the ball game with luke and rocky So now,
1: yeah and that is, that's for the fans a yeah. lot of this stuff you don't see for the fans anymore.
0: Oh, this just for the fans. Luke was great, the, the, ball, the, the ball team was great, I loved it. And then I get, went to hockey. During the winter, I'd go down to Memorial Auditorium.
1: And this is pre-oranges?
0: Oh yeah, they had the browns, it was the browns, the reds, the blues, and the grays. The grays were the nosebleeds right. up at the top. You know, and they, they no masks, no helmets, and they had, you know, Ivan Irwin, Frankie Martin, Ronnie Ingram, Billy Sweeney, Guy Tratier, all the old timers. This is tough hockey. Dennis Hextall, Hextall was a good hockey player, went to the National League, but he was a he was a, what you could call a goon. Right, he didn't want to fight the guy because he'd kill you. <laughs> and Ronnie Ingram was the same way. He was a defenseman.
1: A lot of people don't realize that the buffalo bisons were the hockey team oh yeah they were for the sabers
0: they were owned by the pastors the pastor brothers with the pepsi cola yeah uh I got a hat they owned the whole. Oh, yeah they owned the pepsi franchise in buffalo the pastor brothers so they had the bottle cap on the jersey yeah 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 and we had a big rival then done with the cleveland barons and the barons had come to town the place of out, and they had the famous glover brothers they were two rough tough guys and i remember Ronnie Ingram and Freddie Glover got in a fight. They got thrown out of the game, and on the way down to the locker rooms, they got in a fight down in the, in the hallway. And the police had to break it up. Then the fans got into it with the Barons, and the Barons came up into the crowd, started beating the hell out of the fans. So after that, the Buffalo police would have to sit in front, stand in front of the benches to keep the fans and the players separated.
1: A lot of fighting back then.
0: I remember uh, Dennis Hextall uh, fought with Larry McNabb from the Hershey Bears. McNabb was a real big goon and beat everybody half to death. They had to help McNabb to the bench when Hextall got done with him. <laughs> he just beat him half to death. You know?
1: Following uh, hockey as a young guy, you're in the paper, you're looking to see oh, the after, scores yeah. the next day. That's yeah. another thing that the kids don't understand. These Yeah, days. I,
0: I had a paper route. Buffalo News five days a week, and it was twenty five cents for the week. Wow! So we collect on Saturdays. Yeah, So a lot
2: of paper boys and paper pin stickers. There, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. How old were you when uh, you had your paper out? And how old were you when you were working the stadium well, I
0: was, I was like eight years old when I got the paper out. I got, got a, and I had Just fascinating yeah. us. Yeah. That's great. I My had, daughter's almost eight. I had two hundred fifty papers i had two blocks of connecticut two blocks of 14th both sides two blocks of vermont both sides two blocks of normal both sides and another block of connecticut when i got to normal connecticut so and this is like a, and this is
2: like a newspaper not like our paper now i oh, do no. like how heavy was the yeah. newspaper
0: then it, was, it was heavy i had a big box i had a big paper box it said buffalo news on the side and uh it was heavy and then in the snow it was even worse because I remember it didn't matter how bad it was, my father had a strong work ethic, and it'd be snowing and blowing, and he'd go, get out there, I go, dad, it's snowing, get out there. People are waiting for their papers, okay.
1: You can't get a kid to walk a block without carrying anything, Oh, and you got how many blocks?
0: About seven. Eight, Eight years, years old. old. You yeah. got the
1: wagon, or are you carrying the, the bags? The wagon. The wagon. I mean, the wagon. I use the wagon. I'm through the snow. You know? Oh yeah, the pain in the ass.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, I, nobody I shoveled on there. i, I you know? be frozen. Oh yeah. I said, to to take my shoes and my boots off, my my socks, and stick my feet on the radiator to get them warm.
1: Is that is that somewhere where society has gone wrong that we didn't teach those values uh, oh, to these generations There's when they were no, younger?
0: See, kids today, there's no work ethic. No, none whatsoever. So, I mean, not at eight. <laughs> not at eight. <laughs> You're know, yeah, you you just told you got to get out there. My parents didn't have a lot
2: of money, so uh, were you contributing? Was this going? Was this part going to them? You know, I had
0: I had to pay five dollars a week board. Wow!
2: At eight years old. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: That's that's phenomenal. Good for your parents.
0: And then when I was 16 and I went to work at the hotel, Stuyvesant, it was ten dollars a week board.
1: Oh, yeah, because they knew you were making that money. That's
0: right, and you didn't leave the house until you you gave the old man the, the money. be at the door lot. Friday night, and you go, hey, <laughs> where are you going? I'm not going out with my buddies. You forget something? <laughs> no, I don't forget nothing. You, the, table, the money, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so was all
2: this sports stuff after you came back uh, f- from the military, or was oh, it prior pre, to? Pri- prior to? <laughs> so you,
0: you worked at? Oh, yeah, I worked at the I worked as a pin setter, I had a paper route, I had the paper route, the 250 papers, go home, eat, do my homework and be at the alleys at seven o'clock for the, for the men's league. Then I stuck the nine o'clock league of the women. Smoky I, alleys. I yeah, oh, oh. get home about 11 o'clock and get up and go to school. And then I'm not like a guy that walked 10 blocks uphill. And no, you walk, there was no school buses. You walked. Right. I never knew they had school buses until I was like twenty-five years old. I'm like, what the hell is that? It's a school bus. Holy Christ! Yeah. Right. So yeah, things are different then.
1: They got it made now. Huh? Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to Grover Cleveland, and you've decided. How 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 was it going to school and having a job? Because you hear you hear. Oh, I had a kid the other day. Yeah. Tell me, I can't work while I go to school, oh. and he's these classes are online.
0: Oh. no, I, I, I don't think we didn't think anything of it. You worked. Yeah, you went to school. That's the way it was. Right. If you wanted some money in your pocket, you had to work. you know. uh oh. Stuck pins, sold popcorn and peanuts. <coughs> well, that, <coughs> when I went down to offerman, you just have to stand outside, <coughs> and they come out and pick you, so it'd be all these predominantly black kids. And I remember Frankie Christie come out and pick me. He said, go on inside. So I go inside, and he told me, look, kid, from now on, you just come inside. Don't stand outside. I don't want you to stand out there. You, may, you might get beat up or something, you know. So uh-huh. I said, all right. So I, Frankie was good to me.
1: Frank Christie, uh, the first ever Sabres trainer. Right. Yeah. So he was, he was a big wheel, really involved in the sports, sports, service. sports yeah. service.
0: Sports service was a— uh, Run by the Jacobs brothers.
1: Oh, even back then, huh? Yeah. Oh, they've been in, they've been in business a long, long mm-hmm. time, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was sports service, which became Delaware North.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a young Ed Good. Yeah. Cut his teeth.
0: I sure did. Yeah. Then when I was 17. <laughs> like I said, my whole family was in the Navy, so I joined the Marine Corps. And to tell you the truth, I did it to piss my father off. <laughs> you know? Because no. he figured I was joining the Navy. Nah, I'm going to join the Corps. So he told me, when I told him I joined the Corps, he goes, Oh, Christ, are you crazy? So I go down to Paris Island, right? Now, here I'm five foot six and 120 pounds. They treat us like gold until we got there.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got there, we
0: get, we, we get off the bus, and we walk into Paris Island. Out comes this two huge guys with these campaign Smokey the Bear hats on. Mm hmm. And they're walking down the line, checking each of us out. He gets to me, and he goes, looks at me. He says, Hawkins, the assistant D.I. Hawkins, get over here. He goes, what? Look, they sent me a fucking midget. (laughs) (laughs) I go, oh, Christ, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And I was in trouble because he was on my ass from the day I went to boot camp to the day I left.
1: You're always calling you a midget?
0: Oh, you, you get him? creative yeah, with yeah. him? Oh, yeah. I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, I graduated from boot camp and I had now the smoking lamps lit and you can go to the store and buy stuff. So I'm leaving like two days after that, I'm going to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They have my orders. So I'm washing my clothes in the barracks and he comes in and I was chewing gum. He goes, What the hell you got in your mouth? Said gum. Really? So, take it on me. <laughs> I had to take it out, put it between my eyes, and spread it to my ears. <laughs> I had to shave my eyebrows off because I couldn't get the gum out of my eyebrows. Oh, oh my God. God. So, to ship shipping out. Yeah, I'm shipping out to Portsmouth. I got no eyebrows. <laughs> now, so, I God. I go to Portsmouth, and that's a naval prison. Yeah. Now, so, now, I'm one of the brig chasers. So, I got guys in there, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and here I am, 5'6", and I, I got a... Give these guys orders
1: with no eyebrows.
0: No eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I had a 45 and, and a club. Yeah. And believe me, I wouldn't have hesitated to use it if I had to. But then I was, I got transferred to um, Newport, Rhode Island, and I got lucky. I was the day I got there, they asked me, "Do you have a driver's license?" I said, "Yeah." So they made me the driver for the president of the Naval War College, who was a vice admiral. Okay. So I got to drive him all over the place and he'd have to have he he'd have a he was speaking at a hotel in Boston. I have to drive him to Boston and wait there for him, bring him back, which was great because I go in the kitchen and, and they'd make anything I wanted for me. But uh it was a it was a really good job and I loved the guy who was the uh, vice admiral. Uh his last name was Kramer, and he was he was a great guy. Treated me very well. But then as it goes on, I got four years in the corps
1: that's the time,
0: yeah, well, at the time i had I was in my second year in the corps, but then I got transferred out to the west Coast to uh, the u s s Ticonderoga because the Marine Corps is a part of the Navy, sure, and they have on the bigger ships, the carriers and that they have a marine detachment you guide you guard the officers' quarters and you're on the bridge with the captain during flight ops and that. So I was on the Ticonderoga for two years. My enlistment was ending, and I had two years of reserve time to do. So I instead of doing the reserve, I'd extend it for two years and make it active. So I'm on the Ticonderoga, and have, I'm loving it, right? Oh, yeah. I, get, I get called by the sergeant major, come down to see him. I was up on a flight deck with the captain. So I go downstairs, and he goes, uh, you got orders? I got orders, yeah. You're going to 3rd Marine Division. I said, oh, yeah, they're on Okinawa. He goes, nah, they used to be on Okinawa. Uh-oh. They're in Vietnam, dude. And I'm like, oh, no. So I get to Vietnam. I, I fly into Da Nang, and then I had to take a chopper down to Lai, where my unit was, and get down there, and then the sergeant major, who's the big boss of enlisted men, he looked at me and said, how tall are you? <laughs> Here we <laughs> go again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 5'6". Why? He goes, oh, I got a job for you. I said, what's that? He goes, oh, you'll find out tomorrow. So I'm out there. We're going out on, on Search and Destroy, and I hear Sergeant Mary say, get good up here. i have to go strip down to your waist. Stripped down to my waist for what? See that hole? You're going down that hole. Oh, my God. And so I went down there. You got a 45, Right. A flashlight and a K-bar, which is a, like a Bowie knife. Go down there and see if there's anybody down there.
1: So, how are you holding these? Like, do you got the gun in one hand and then a the flashlight? I had my in the forty-five other. in the shoulder holster.
0: In the
2: shoulder holster.
0: Yeah, and I had the, the, the flashlight and the K-bar. Is there okay.
2: anything that gets your heart pumping more than that in your entire life?
0: No, that was about it. Uh, no, it was a few, a few operations I was in, like uh, Operation Starlight, was a three-prong assault. And it was a North Vietnamese regiment that were dug in on the peninsula. So you're looking at about 3,500 North Vietnamese regulars. Whew. So we went in on a, an air assault, amphibious f- assault, and a ground assault. <coughs> I went in on a Huey, which is a helicopter. And we were taking rounds going into the l- landing zone, the, the LZ, it's a hot LZ. I didn't get out of the LZ for about four hours because we were stacking bodies. Jesus to get him out of medevac choppers so we lost I'd say about 260 men Wow and that that operation alone that that's dead not wounded so uh, they've got my head pumping a lot
1: yeah oh yeah
0: but I was I was in Nam for two years
1: so when you're in the tunnels yeah so that's an everyday occurrence
0: well, uh, not every day. It's just, just when, when you they see ran one. across the pond, you yeah. were going down a hole.
1: Anything interesting in those holes?
0: Well, they were booby-trapped. Right. You know, you had a booby trap as you entered into the tunnel. They were called toe poppers. If you stepped on them, it would blow your foot off. So you'd have to take your knife and insert it in the ground, dig around looking for it. Then when you find it, you could just pop it out of there. And they had booby traps in the tunnels, not a lot of them. They had a lot of booby traps in the field. In the tunnels, they'd have viper pits, you know. They'd have a, a what they call a habu, which is like a cobra. They called it a 10-foot snake. You, if it bit you, you, went, you walked 10 foot and dropped. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: holy so, shit.
0: But, basically they had compartments, so you were looking to see if there was anybody there.
1: How long yeah. do these things go, usually?
0: Oh. They're different. Right. They could go. They could go for eight, nine hundred feet, maybe longer at times. And they went down. They went sideways. So you had to check it out.
1: Reinforced? Are they reinforced yeah, oh, in yeah.
0: there? Yeah, they build those tunnels.
1: Jeez, how long do you think it takes them to build build those tunnels?
0: It had to take a while. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, in fact, they're doing they're doing tours in those tunnels right now. Really? I met a woman when we were overseas. Mary and I were in. Europe, and she had just came from Vietnam, <laughs> and she was telling us, oh, we went through the tunnels and all that. I said, you went through the tunnels? Yeah, they, they, they people take tours through them now. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Would yeah, you go in there? I,
0: I, I never envisioned going back. Right. I, and if I went back, I, I don't think I'd go down a tunnel again.
1: No, no, I wouldn't want you to.
0: I became claustrophobic because of it.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
0: You know, so. But uh, I love the core. And you, you'll notice one thing, and not, not to denigrate the other services. They're all great. But the Corps has a special quality. We're all brothers. I can meet a guy who was in the Corps in World War II, and they still call me brother. I've seen it happen. Yeah, you'll see it here. Yeah. yeah. Brothers are brothers. That, that's like great. And, and the uh, other services don't have that. No. I don't see a Navy guy saying, hey, go Navy, you know. I see another Marine, it's ooh Oh, sure. Uh,
1: so— we're talking about combat. Yep. Obviously, you have a Purple Heart. Yep. How do we get the Purple Heart here?
0: It was Christmas Eve in 1965. They brought us out of the field <clears throat> back to Da Nang. They wanted to get us cleaned up, give us clean uniforms, give us a good meal, because we ate sea rats out in the field. So I got back and we got a good meal and all that. And we're all up in the tents, bunch of us playing poker. All of a sudden, I hear somebody yell, "Incoming!" Like, what? And he heard, thump, incoming, thump. It was mortars. They were walking them in. They are trying to get the right range. And I grabbed my jack and headed out of the tent, and I left my my helmet back in, in the tent. I ran back, grabbed my helmet, came out again, and as I came out, I'd seen a flash about 30 yards off to my left, and it knocked me down. I got up and I ran for the trench. I got in the trench and my, my friend, Bud Goins from Texas, looked at me and goes, they call me Goody. he goes, hey, Goody, you're hit, man. I'm like, what? I started looked and my blood was running down my arm. So they medevaced me to Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines, sold me up and sent me back. Oh, you went back. I went back. That's great. Now I get back <clears throat> and they sent me to B-Med. I had to wait for my company to come in out of the field. So while I was waiting, which was probably gonna be a month at least, they put me in graves registration, which is, it was a med company, and they had operating rooms and all that, and they'd bring guys in that were wounded, and they'd operate on them, or they'd pronounce them dead or whatever. And so our job was, it was myself and three other Marines. We had a big tent and a big walk-in cooler. You got a dead body. You had to stuff their butt their ears and their nose and their mouth with cotton. Really? you had to tie off their pecker, and stuff cotton up their ass. So all the excreation, because they're dead, the muscles relax and they're gonna excrete Sure. So you have to tie them up, tag them and bag them, mm. and put them in the refrigerator, <coughs> walk in cooler. And we'd wait till we had about eight bodies, then we'd call the battalion and they'd come down, pick the bodies up, and take them up to Saigon to be dressed and sent home so I was in Graves registration for about a month and we were processing bodies every day you have to go up to the med company uh, every day for amputations if there was arms or legs or whatever they had you had to take them and incinerate them
1: Jesus well I mean obviously thanks for your service and that's just that's just phenomenal that I don't think people realize why they have the rights they do and how we got them and well, who well, who was before us what was
0: distressing was i i knew nothing about what was going on in in the we call it the world sure so i get back to the world in san francisco and i'm coming home now i'm out of the corps and i'm coming home so i check in at the gate and they said okay have a seat over here you're on military standby if there's room we'll put you on a plane so i got my marine corps uniform on and I walk over and sit down. There's two people sitting there. It was a big anti-war sentiment then. Yeah. I sat down between these two people. They got up and walked away. They didn't want to be seen next to me. So that's the kind of sentiment that was going on. Yeah,
1: and you kind of see that today with, I don't know, Different law enforcement, I should oh, say, yeah. Yeah. and so I mean, it, you could say that everything comes back, but it just changes yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah, goes from you know the Vietnam veteran to
0: we were the first guys where the, where there was a, the war was on TV. Yeah, every night CBS News or ABC, whoever, and they had people out in the field with us, and so it was all on TV. So if they seen us abusing a prisoner of war they would report it yeah and there was a lot of things that happened that i'm not proud of right well yeah Yeah.
1: i mean it's it's fucking war right yeah
0: yeah. it's not
1: supposed to be uh puppy dogs and balloons
0: well yeah it's tough because you get in a firefight and all hell is breaking loose for about a half hour or so then it stops and you hear guys moaning and groaning and bleeding and you're like checking yourself out sure how the hell did i make it through this you know right it's well, like you
2: said, your brothers, like there was yeah. no color. It was no. the, everybody oh, has your back. Brothers. Everybody yeah. has your back. Everybody's the same.
0: It was three guys who were real close with was uh, Benny Aycock from Shreveport, Louisiana. Cecil Bozeman from Jackson, Mississippi and Shadrach Leon Howard from Memphis, Tennessee. And of course, Shadrach was black and these other two guys were were deep south rebels, you know. Right. But we were brothers. All of us. We covered each other's ass.
1: If, anything could, if anybody could learn anything from this episode, I, yeah. I would think take the Marine values into today. Well, there yeah. are,
0: all the services are great, but the Marines, we just had a camaraderie that would last forever. You know, and I, That's like my brother would bust my chops and say, ah, you're the Department of the Navy. to go, yeah, the men's department. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I'll be honest with you. If there's a guy in a bar yeah. woofing shit, that's a uh, Coast Guard. Yeah. I might go outside with him, but I'm not going out <laughs> with you or your brothers, the <laughs> no, Marines. They'd no. <laughs> uh, they take your eye. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it was war, and you didn't leave your brothers behind. If you lost them on a battlefield, you brought them home with you. You brought them back. Yeah. That, that's paramount. It has to happen. You cannot leave a brother on the, on the battlefield.
1: I'm a, i am aii mean, we we talked earlier. I'm a big camaraderie guy. I think that camaraderie makes the world go wrong. Around, oh, yeah. um, talk about what the dead time in the military. We've we've talked to a couple of veterans, and what, where where was Wilbur stationed? I mean, that was. Oh a yeah, different, he was
2: Okinawa. He
1: was Okinawa. Wilbur.
0: Wilbur yeah, Frick. Wilbur Fulton. I worked with Wilbur. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> At the gas company. <laughs> Here we go. We didn't even know that. Yeah, We've had that. Wilbur on the show. Oh yeah, Wilbur and I go long. Way, go back a long way. <laughs> but, yeah. Give me a Wilbur story. Well, he's a comedian, you know. <laughs> yeah, <that>. right. <laughs> Everybody in South Buffalo knows Wilbur. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: one yeah. of our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um. But what are you? What are you doing to kill time? In the military, you know, throwing cards, uh, yeah, well, busting balls.
0: And now you didn't kill time. You, you were you were going out on a search and destroy. You're going into a big operation. Uh, you were just waiting. You weren't you killing were wait, time. No. Yeah, you're yeah. waiting, and you know, and you're going to get, you know, the captain of the company. is going to come down that night and tell you, like, we're going out tomorrow. We're going here. We're going where, and we expect sixty percent casualties. <laughs> we may run into NVA, which is North Vietnamese regulars, or the Viet Cong. Viet Cong, you didn't know who they were because they were running around in little black pajamas. Yeah, you had no idea who they were. You knew at they owned the night, we owned the day. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so,
1: so night you, you were kind of uh, on guard almost, and then yeah. during the day you push forward.
0: Yes, and then I'd I'd be on a I'd be on a perimeter watch. And if you've seen, or thought you've seen something, you'd ask permission to throw up a flare, illuminate the field or the rice paddy. And if there's somebody there, you're going to take them out.
1: Yeah, you'll yeah. let them up. Yeah. Uh,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: It, it, Vietnam, it, 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 I don't want to say it fascinates me because uh-huh. I'm, I'll be 40 in October. Right. We weren't taught about it.
0: No. Uh, you know, I, a lot of young people your age I've talked to, they they saw it on TV, or they knew nothing about it, you know. I mean, and I hate to
1: say this, I we always talk about it is, uh, you know, you compare it to a movie. The PBS documentary, I I thought mm. was was great. Oh yeah. But uh, what's what's the most realistic thing you've seen, whether it was a documentary or a, a movie from Hollywood? I the,
0: the movie the the movie Platoon was probably the most like combat that I've seen uh full metal jacket, the guy who played the uh d i that was very realistic ermy early ermy
1: early ermy yeah
0: a marine he just died Yeah, last god year. bless him yeah
1: so. but yeah there there's uh there's a lot of uh funny parts to that you should you should look into it um he wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. the drill instructor right he was on location as the only marine on th- that that yeah. set <laughs> and he basically was auditioning yeah.
0: to,
1: to oh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick yeah. the whole time. And the guy that was supposed to play the uh, the drill sergeant yeah. is the guy in the helicopter that's when they're going by shooting yeah. shooting the rice paddies. I
0: ran into my drill instructor now. In
1: oh, you did. What did he What did he say to you when he first saw
0: you? I had to go up the regiment and give him a body count. We had been out oh, on Jesus. an operation, so I had to give him a body count. So I get up the regiment. Now I got my, I got bandoliers, grenades, 45 in a shoulder holster, and m 14. And I walk in an area sitting behind a desk. I walk up and I say, hey, Sergeant Major, remember me? He goes, I don't remember you. I said, well, I remember you. <laughs> I had you in, in uh, Paris Island. I said, well, I made a good Marine out of you. I said, oh, yeah. all the good Marines out there fighting the fucking war and not sitting there fat ass behind the desk like you are. He <laughs> oh. said, get out of my face, you bastard. I'll kill you right here. <laughs> Scary dude. Oh, he was in he was in World War Two, and Korea and Vietnam. So that's three. Wow. You,
1: now you, those guys aren't around anymore. Oh, he's got to be dead. Yeah. Because yeah. those...
0: I'm 77,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Oh my goodness!
0: I mean, I I'm not the same guy I used to be. Sure, you know, and I I woke up with blood blisters. I'm like, where the hell that came from? The old lady must have beat the hell out of me while we were sleeping. You know? <laughs> you know, and, and sex forget. <laughs> it's like sticking a marshmallow in a parking meter. Good for you, Ed.
2: It and was it a popular thing go when you joined the military for your friends? Was it a was was it like? Yeah, let's do it. Or you go with anybody? You talk with anybody? You no. Know,
0: when I came home from Vietnam the first time, my buddies are in college. They went from high school to college, so they were anti-Vietnam. So I was gonna go. out I am to go down, down on Elmwood Avenue and have a couple of beers. My buddy Charlie said, "Look, do me a favor. Don't tell anybody you're in the service and you were in Vietnam because we're gonna have a problem." I said, "Look, I I better not go with you because." Yeah. If they say something to me, they're going to have a problem. Because you're damn proud. Yes, absolutely. You know, you got to remember one thing. I was in Vietnam on a Tuesday when I rotated coming back to the world. And on Friday, I was on the streets of Buffalo. They took me out of the jungle and sent me home. Now I'm a combat vet. You piss me off. I I might not even think about killing you, because I will. Right. So, but that's all over with now. I mean. Sure. Yeah. But
1: that's only natural yeah. to get it to get into that mindset.
0: What well, they take you right out of out, out of field of battle and send you home.
1: That's crazy to me. Like yeah. there's the, the nowadays they probably ease you back. Oh yeah, ease you out. Yeah. Ease you back in. So what are you doing when you get back? Are you do you taking it you taking it easy or are you, you you getting right back it into I, a job or
0: I went out on Monday I came back on a Friday. Monday morning I went down, put an application in at Bethlehem Steel, and an application in at Iroquois Gas. Okay. So I was got a call from the so, same day, both of them. I told my dad, I said, I'm I'm going to steel plant. And I said, no, don't do that. And I said, why not? Go to the gas company, he said. They're always going to, people are always going to have gas. Yeah. And I thought about it, and I said, well, okay. So I went, my buddies went to the steel plant. I wound up working there 40 years, and they... Lost their jobs, because sure. Plant closed down, and
2: they're probably it's just some of them sick and yeah. things like oh, that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. How was how was it when the steel plant went down?
0: I was at the gas company. It had no effect on us. We lost a big account, yeah, because they weren't. They used a lot of gas uh, for the mills and that. But I mean, you, you drive out here and see it. You know, Bethlehem the, uh, Village. Yeah, all those those guys that worked at the plant all lived right around there. Yeah, right around by the gate. You know where Mulberry's is? Right. That's Bethlehem Village. Yeah. That's where they all lived. So that had a far reaching effect on the guys that worked the plan.
1: And, and it was amazing back then. I've always heard that, you know, these, these mom and pop corner bars, oh, yeah. little restaurants, Absolutely. they were killing it.
0: They were killing it. They were cashing these guys' checks.
1: Yeah, and then they were getting it all back. <laughs> and they were getting it all
0: back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: And gone are those days. That oh, yeah. I think they, I'm an old soul a little bit, yeah. Ed, and that's one of the things that I wish I would have been. Uh, like yeah. I said, I'm a real big camaraderie guy. I yeah. don't know what it is.
0: Well, you look at one of the guys I work with, you probably know him, Timmy Wiles.
1: Yeah, yeah, the yeah. owner of the Swanee House. He
0: owns the Swanee. Yeah. He did, well, they got a $5,000 fine.
1: Yeah, Mr. Personality. <laughs> yeah. Gave it Because of his personality, I heard. Yeah, Timmy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he got personality like a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean,
1: so you're going to a gas company, and how are you? How are you adjusting to life back in the real world?
0: Right I still, now. I still have PTSD to this day. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but I, I adjusted fairly quickly. It was Iroquois Gas at the time, then it became National Fuel Gas. And I tell you the truth, I loved working there. I had a great job, great bosses, good pay, good benefits, the whole shot.
1: Do you think coming back? And getting a job right away maybe helped you. Oh yeah, because you're not sitting around thinking and that drinking. That was my work.
0: That was my work like That made me. Do, I had to get in do something. Yeah, I wasn't going to sit. My father wouldn't let me sit home in the first place. You get mm-hmm. your ass out there and get to work. You're not sitting around here. You know. Were
2: you guys still living in the projects at the time?
0: No, we had moved up to the apartment building in Seventh and Vermont, right near the Peace Bridge. Yeah, okay. a block from the Peace Bridge.
2: So.
1: So some of the, some guys are sitting around feeling sorry for themselves and, you know, going a little depressed. And
0: yeah, they got uh, into drugs and, and all And they got that.
1: into drugs. And part of it probably is because they didn't have a guy kicking them in the ass like your father the telling man. them to go get a job.
0: The old man was a tough bird. You know, he, was a, he ended up working at Meyer Memorial Hospital, which is now ECMC. Right. But he was a boilerman his whole life. And he'd work on the industrial boilers, rebuild them, put the firewalls in and the hell shot. So he he, he he, was used to doing hard work. He'd come home. He'd have to take his clothes off in the shed because my mother wouldn't let him in the house with those dirty clothes. Yeah. You know? So it was old. It was old time and different then. It used to be, when I lived at 15th in Connecticut, Every I had two, two brothers and a sister. And every Saturday, the old man would send us down to the Circle Theater, 10 cents to get in, my mother made popcorn for all of us.
1: You get to take the popcorn.
0: Take the popcorn with us. Twenty-five cartoons, and a Bowery Bell film. So, man, it was it was like heaven. So, about when I turned about thirty-five years old, I was thinking one day, you know, I know that son of a bitch sent me to the theater. He was tapping my mother. <laughs> <laughs> he was having he was having a, a matinee, you know, while yeah. we were at the show. And I and I said <laughs> I told him that I said you son of a bitch. <laughs> Send me to the show because you're, you're a cheap bastard. So you sent me this the show and you were uh, having a matinee with my mom. He goes, "It took you that long to figure it out, asshole? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, we normally don't do this on uh, the show, but what you, you got any advice for the kids these days? That I mean, the world's fucking crazy yet.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, I just say, get out there, work. It's the best thing for you. You know, respect your parents because they work hard to provide you with a good life Always respect your parents. Absolutely. You know, I did I, as, as tough as the old man was. I loved them My mother I worshipped the ground she walked on mm-hmm. you know, and it broke my heart when I lost them.
1: Oh, absolutely
0: and you know, also but It's a different world out there today.
1: Oh yeah. it's a, it's Fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah different world. I see it all the time. I see these young people have no direction their parents are too busy doing other things. These kids are drinking. They're into drugs. They're 15, 16 years old. It's amazing. They're scumbags. You know, the girl, like, the, I got to sit, uh, oh, she's 20 now, living next door to me. This girl ain't got enough energy to wipe her ass. <laughs> she don't. Her mother, mother's doing the, nobody, nobody cuts the grass. Her mother has mm-hmm. to, single mother. She has to take the garbage out and do everything else. And they have, Take our food every night.
1: Me, me and the wife were having a conversation last night, and it, 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 was, it was a pretty good one with there's, there's no respect, there's no values at home coming from the parents. No. So th- it's just it's, we keep going in a circle yeah. until one generation puts their foot down and says, yeah. no, we're going to discipline our children and make yeah. them do shit.
0: i give you an example, a good example. You know my brother-in-law Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Han, yeah, he's got two boys, Zach and Jonathan. Very nice guys. Mm-hmm. They're men now. You now they're in their they're in their mid twenties. Very respectful to their parents. Very respect, just respect people in general. Yeah. Both of them have jobs. They work hard. Jimmy, I told Jimmy many times, he raised those boys well.
1: Oh yeah, he is.
0: You ought to be proud of them because they're they're nice young men. You know. There's hope. Yeah, there is. And there is hope.
2: You're looking at two good dads right here. There you, you go. Yeah, you know, you, it, and sometimes even when you don't have that direction, just getting a job. And there are people, oh, and yeah. like the restaurant business just teaches you humility. Yeah, oh, yeah. like it, there are jobs that you could take. Probably the gas company was like, yeah. you're digging a hole. It is freezing. That's right. You know, you're, you are got to find a way to dig you're that hole. they
0: digging a hole in, a, in a January. It's like 12 below chill factor and this woman's in the house opening the curtains looking out and come out finally uh when are you going to have me back in service hey lady look i want to get back in my truck as, as soon as i can believe yeah. me so yeah. i'll get you back in service within the next half hour
2: right i think it comes back to you just gotta you gotta work and you not oh. everybody's going to get the job behind a desk the it you're not going to create oh, that's what an, they want to do they want to yeah, be a computer you're not going to create an app yeah. you know tell you what,
0: my when i first started we had open back trucks and I used to put my lunch in the back of that open bag. Uh, and it, by the time lunchtime came around, my lunch was frozen to the back of the truck. Yeah. I'm like, I got a sandwich that's like uh, a brick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was tough times at that time. We're always good. Yeah. How do you like, how do you like the new Buffalo, Ed? Uh, I'm kind of excited for people. You know, there's a, a lot of good things going on and more things are happening. Being down here on the waterfront's great. Yeah. You know? Charlie's got a great business. There's great people who work here. My wife, obviously, we enjoy it because we come here all the time. Yeah.
1: Another guy that I met over a bar, Marky. Yeah, right here. Teaches you humility. It does. It does. And he's very nice to the staff. They all come out. They all say, you know, hello. Thank you. And and I I thought we'd have on just to... He's a great guy and a great American.
0: Yeah, I'm proud of my country, but... (laughs) I don't like the direction it's going in right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> too much back and forth horse shit. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, a lot of horse it. shit. I don't want to hear it.
1: Well, that's why you know you go. You you're the type of guy. I think a lot of Americans should look at and say, you know, this place. It's it's a crazy world right now. But Ed's gonna take his wife out and have a nice dinner, and they're not gonna they're not gonna let it ruin their night. Oh,
0: yeah, we're going out tonight. It's we, our anniversary. Yeah, well, happy, happy anniversary. anniversary. We're going to Russell's. Oh, there you go. You know? So I'll go out tonight and yeah. well, we like to go out anyways. You know I, I tell her there's just two of us. Well, I, don't how we're cooking. Right. You know, so I'll yeah. get something to eat. go out and enjoy yourself. I get compensated very well by the government for my for being wounded. Yeah. And being a combat vet. Even that would I didn't know. So when I moved in with Mary, when we got married, she was getting like she wanted a break on her taxes. So she was on some kind of program taxes or less. I put my name in as a combat bet. I get I get seventy five percent off the taxes. Really? Yeah. Well, you should City taxes seventy five percent and the county also.
2: No, oh. who who, well, who doing something right? Yeah. Who uh, gave you your uh, your Purple Heart medal? Is there is there like a ceremony? Is it a
0: <laughs> believe it or not, Hubert Humphrey. Huh? Hubert Humphrey
2: gave you the Purple
0: yes. Heart. Really? He was in the Philippines at the time. And we got medevac from Da Nang on a C-130, and they brought us into Clark Air Force Base and got us cleaned up, got us in bed. And the next morning, the nurse came in. She was a lieutenant. I was like, okay, you guys got to get squared away here because the vice president of the United States is coming to present you with your your uh, purple hearts. <laughs> wow. So he came in and said hello to me, pinned the medal on my sheet, and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh um, I, yeah.
1: A lot of people don't meet the vice president, a lot of I did. Hubert Humphrey. I
0: did. <laughs> Hubert Horatio Humphrey. That was his middle name? Yeah, Horatio. <laughs> I trip, didn't know trip, that. Triple H. Triple H, yeah, yeah. the original yeah. Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I and I had heard the story from my sister, because my uh, two brothers were gone and my sister, mother, and father lived on the apartment on seventh Avenue. And Christmas Day, two Marine Corps officers from the Marine Corps recruiting station and the priest from our church came and knocked on my mother's door to tell her I had been wounded, and my mother fainted. Oh, I'm sure. Because she seen him coming up the oh the driveway. She and thought you know, it was something else. She was, thought I was dead. I was yeah. Gone, you know? And that's the only time my sister told me she'd seen my father cry. Uh. And he found out I was hurt. So, But when I came home, he was working at Memorial Hospital. He said, hey, look, do me a favor, would you? So I said, come to the hospital tonight. I want to introduce you. Oh, you and, want to brag, yeah. And wear your uniform. <laughs> oh, good for <laughs> you, lad.
2: Yeah. Well, at least somebody wanted the the, the oh, yeah. boys, you know. Oh, the yeah, people the people one that counted. Yeah, the one, yeah they, they were proud. And do you see it more now that people thank you for your service? Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I'd be sitting down there or wherever I'm at. People come by and say, "Hey, thank you for your service and yeah, it's, it's nice to hear
1: first time yeah. I met him, I bought him a drink.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah It's nice to hear, and uh, I think the younger people today are much more respectful of people in the service. right I mean, did you ever see uh you know
2: documentaries that you know that go against the vietnam are does that tick you off
0: yeah, it does it's 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 sad. I mean, Mary will tell you. If we go somewhere where they have the the replica of the wall, it it brings me to tears. Oh, I bet it does. A lot of my buddies are there in the ground. Yeah. You know, it's a, a good friend of mine, Johnny Music, his name, M U Z I K. What a name! Yeah, Johnny Music, music from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. He got killed about a month before we rotated. He was in, I was in India Company, he was in Lima, and I found out Johnny had been killed. Came home, been home for about, who knows, 20 years or whatever. I went to the wall, I was going to Washington on union business, and I took time to go to the wall. Johnny's girlfriend was pregnant at the time. He was in Nam. And I found Johnny's name, and it was a rose stuck in by by his name, and a note, from his daughter, oh man, saying I, I never met you, daddy. Oh, but I'll love you forever. Yeah, broke my heart. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Johnny yep. was a good kid. We, yeah, but he was 22 when he died.
2: Can't take your freedoms
0: for granted. No, I piled a lot of guys in that, in that refrigerator. Yeah. We never yeah. had a chance to come home.
1: God bless those yeah. those boys,
0: young men. You know young man never got to live the life that I've led yeah you know?
1: and you've you've lived a great one.
0: Oh hell yeah you know I, I, I was married once and not and too well you know but it did. I met my wife at Parents Without Partners right. and uh, we got together and've been together 32 years now Now what, what
1: what was parents Without partners?
0: It's a group that's still it's for people who are divorced so they have kids, children. What you so it's a group that gets together and they have dances and mixers and social shit. functions yeah. and what have you, and that's where I met Mary.
1: Wow, that's that's a great story. Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, we went out for seven years.
1: Kind of like the the pre dating app.
0: Yeah, yeah, went out for seven years and uh, then we got married. Good for you. So it's guys. been 25. So it's 32 years actually. <laughs> 25 as of today. 25 today. Yeah. You gonna fluff that marshmallow tonight or what? Uh, <laughs> it's a tough thing to. Hang. I used to be hang. I used to be able to hang a wet towel off that Sunday <laughs> Now it's like well, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we
1: thank you for your service, Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. I wanted to have a conversation with you. I think it's fascinating, and yeah. I, I always like talking to a veteran. Um, Ed, good.
0: You are now licensed to talk. Just uh, thank you for, for having me. We'll have to get together with Wilbur. Oh, yeah. And, oh, man. And trade some more stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah.
2: we love that. Yeah.
0: God damn it. Yeah, he tells a great story
2: about oh, the canoes. The said, canoes. He said the in Okinawa.
0: A, oh, Okinawa. I, was yeah. a, I went to Okinawa for jungle warfare training. You know, so they sent me up to Camp Schwab in a northern training area. But then I flew out of Fatima, Marine Corps Air Station Fatima, into Da Nang, and Da Nang had a cr- corrugated runway at the time. They didn't even have the airstrip built. So I landed there, and then they choppered me down to Chulai on a Huey. And on the way down, we were taking rounds in the cabin. Jesus, you know. So yeah, Okinawa. A lot of whorehouses. That's so weird. A lot of whorehouses. Did Will Weber tell you about? Well, in Nam, did he go? Did he go to Nam? No, no, no. Stayed in Okinawa. Yeah. Well, if you're a good guy, and now I'm the Vietnamese say, "Oh, you number one, you number one." If you weren't, they call you a number ten motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you number ten. Oh, me no number ten. No, you are number ten motherfucker.
1: Well, like I said, Ed, <laughs> you're a great American. Have fun tonight on your anniversary. uh Ed, good. You are now licensed Thank to you talk again. Thank you so much. Again.
2: Thank you. Thank you for your service.